0: I'd um, like to, uh, first of all, uh, by way of remembrance and thankfulness, um, it is always a blessing um, to be in this area. We've had a wonderful visit with El Bethel Church over the course uh, of the last few days. Um, this church, um, some of the relationships that even date um, beyond uh, the first time that I visited um, here at Little Union Church, what must have been Somewhere around 15 years ago, uh, relationships that date back to West Palm Beach, Florida, before um, Bobby, Joe, and Jamie were were married and, and had their family. Um, some of these relationships um, still mean the world to not just to myself, um, but to my family. Um, some of these relationships that uh, that carry through in 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 bringing Bethany Church in Little Union Church even together, to, you know, we, we'll call ourselves some, from time to time up there you know, Little Union North uh, with Brother Steve and, and the Lawrence family and Sister Kelsey and and the others, you know, the Griffins and the others that uh, have been able to worship with us up there over the course of the years. So I hope that you'll continue to pray for Bethany or for Little Union North throughout the course of uh, our attempt to uh, to be the light in the community uh, up there, as you have been for many years down here. I'm going to ask uh, this uh, this evening here, if you would to turn with me to the 14th chapter of Exodus this morning, the 14 or this evening, the 14th um, chapter of Exodus. I want to read one verse to you, and then I want to turn to Numbers chapter 14, and I want to read another verse to you in. Lord willing, we'll be able to uh, make some comments on these particular portions of Scripture. And I'm dealing with, uh, as, I, as I shared over the course of the weekend, a Bible that uh, I've not been using for, for that long, and, and it has pl- things in different places. Uh, Brother Chris could probably speak to where things are uh, in a Bible. And you, and you, with your Bible, you just kind of know where it is by the feel. Like, you can turn to Exodus, and when there's a concordance this long in the back of the Bible, that shifts everything to the left, uh, and so I hope that you'll uh, bear with me. But I want to read Exodus chapter 14 uh, in, in verse 12, first of all, this evening. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now if you would I'd like for you to turn to Numbers chapter 14. i want to read Numbers chapter 14 in verse 3. Numbers chapter 14 in verse 3 reads this way, And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return into Egypt. So in Exodus, we have the perspective of men saying, "Moses, you've put us. You've really done it now. You've put us between a rock and a hard place. Probably, be best if we just pack it up, call it a day, turn around, and go into Egypt." The Lord delivers them out of that situation, and not. Too much longer, they find themselves at the edge of Canaan's land. They find out that's going to be hard too. Know what? Probably be best if we had never left Egypt. What I want to share with you tonight is this common refrain found throughout the course of God's people. Over and over again, we are going to find, as God's people have always found, life is hard. Following God is hard. God will often put us into very difficult situations. If God doesn't do it, we will often put ourselves into very difficult situations. And if God nor we do it, others will often put us into very difficult situations. And the easy refrain is to say, God, we'd have been a whole lot better if you'd just left us alone. And there's not a one sitting in this congregation, I believe, maybe some of our younger folks. But be careful, be careful when we say, you know, younger folks, you really you know we, we will look at them and we'll say you know what you're going through really isn't that difficult you know wait till you get up and you have a job and you have children and you have and you get married and all of the other difficulties that come along and you're going to find out how difficult life is be careful of that church the most difficult thing they are going through is the most difficult thing they've ever been through the little boy that broke the girl's heart really broke her heart that's difficult it's hard Where we find ourselves as God people quite often when things get difficult, when the phone call from the doctor comes, when the phone call from the police officer that says there has been an accident, when the call comes from the hospice saying we don't know how much time there is going to be, when those times comes, when we find ourselves between the sea and the army, what are we going to do? What are we going to say? For them... It was, it was simple. You know, we're not too far gone. You know, I still have the vestiges of that Egyptian smell on my clothes. We can go back and we can just fold into our natural habitat. We can fold into where we were and what we were doing. And it'll be like we never left. We're used to that life, right? I've got a sister that's been a drug addict for 30 years. And I've seen her in front of the sea with the army behind her. Really trying to hold on and trying to go as far as God would allow her to go and as far as God would lead her. And the hard times come and she says, it's just best if I go back to Egypt because it's comfortable there. I'm comfortable there. It's hot out here. It's dry out here. I have to work out here. But back there, it's a little easier. I know we were servants. I know that they used us for everything that we had, that they controlled the way we said and and all of the other things. But this is an unwinnable situation. There's no way out of this. Don't you see the sea, Moses? Don't you hear the armies coming? What are we going to do now? Let's just fold it up and move back home. It's easy for us to go, how dare they, right? Right? You know the rest of the story. They don't know the rest of the story. Sure, they've seen the plagues and they've seen some miraculous events that have taken place over the course, but there are things that men have done that fool you all the time, isn't there? They've been led to believe that that these miracles have happened so that they might be released out of Egypt. What if they were wrong? What if the preacher was wrong? What if the church was wrong? What if we should be doing different things in here? God forbid. They found themselves between a rock and a hard place and all they want to do is go back so it will be easier. We're going to die here if you leave us alone. God delivers them. He delivers them through the water. And they see this deliverance. And that's that I think is critical to understanding their minds their mindset and where we typically go and how far we will go to avoid the hard of discipleship. They've gotten to Canaan's land. They have sent the emissaries in and there are giants in that land. <laughs> they have the giants in front of them now instead of the sea. And they have the wilderness behind them now instead of the army. It's still a no-win situation, Brother Jerry. There's just nowhere to go. Moses, you know what? It'd been better off if we'd have nef- never left Egypt. If God had just left me alone, I'd be a lot better off now than where, than, uh, than where we are now. You felt that way. I felt that way. America's been a great place to be a child of God, to be a Christian over the course of the last couple hundred years. But that feels a little different now, doesn't it? Let me tell you, as hard as you think it might be now, and as hard as maybe it might become over the course of the next five to ten or the next generation, it still ain't as hard as wandering 40 years through the wilderness. It still ain't as hard as facing the Romans like the apostles and their disciples did. Or the Jews that they faced. Paul's experience in Macedonia, which we discussed today. It's still not as hard as going into Thessalonica and places like Thyatira and being run out of town and being accused of all sorts of things. It's still not that difficult, but I'll grant you, maybe it will be. Do we find ourselves so different... Than the children of God that walked through the Red Sea, the children of God that really experienced a miracle. I have, been in, I have been in the room where my children have been born, and let me tell you, that's a miracle. Maybe no greater miracle can we still witness in this life than to see our children born. It's absolutely incredible. They saw the sea part, they've seen their children born and the sea part. They've had the manna. They've been served. They've, they've had all of these incredible experiences that God has blessed them to show them who He is and what His power is. And there they are going. Well, we've gone as go as go, You know, we've kind of gone as far as we need to go here. Probably best if we just go back to Egypt. God forbid. But what makes us think that we're that much different? What makes us think that are sitting in the pews here today when the tragic, when the tragedy of tragedy happens and you begin to question, you begin to question all of the promises that God has made you in this life. You begin to question whether or not God is really going to deliver upon his promise of peace and comfort and joy in this life. You have known those in this room and those that have sat in this room with you that no longer find themselves in, in worship and in praise with this church anymore or any other church anymore. Some of them it's come because they've found some experience in their life that has caused them to question everything God has shown them up to this point. And remember, the Jews have seen a lot here. God has shown them a lot. But our problem in these hard times get is that we get caught up looking at it from our own perspective, right? We're always looking for the grasses greener on the other side. How many folks, you know, left the church because the grass is greener on the other side? How many folks, you know, left the state or the city the gra- or a job because the grass was greener on the other side? You know, be careful, there's a lot of septic tanks on the other side, right? It's always better over there. And that man's perspective is always better. It's better over there. Better for what? Better for this flesh. Better for the way I want to live right now. Instead of looking at it from God's perspective. Because let me share with you what God's perspective is on these. Turn with me to to, uh, Exodus chapter 14. We're going to go back in Exodus chapter 14. And you're going to read verses 3 and 4. This is a God perspective. How do I know that? Because this is God telling us what his perspective is. Exodus chapter 14, verse 3 and 4 for Pharaoh. will say of the children of Israel, they're entangled in the land. They're entangled in the land and wilderness has so shut them in and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. Why is it that they find themselves between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army? Because God has a desire for Pharaoh and for all of them to know that he is God. He's going to show them something there. I don't know whether God, how God interferes in the affairs of man and how His infinite hand reaches into time. And sometimes I don't know what God's providence is and what God's suffering is. And I can't explain that to you all the time. What I do know is that God had a will that Pharaoh see the greatness of His glory and Pharaoh saw the greatness of His glory. It was accomplished. And not only did Pharaoh see the greatness of His glory... His people saw the greatness of his glory. Just imagine crossing that red sea. Just imagine having being delivered in the nick of time. You have avoided an accident. And you have, you have swerved at just the right time. And you have gone, thanks God for that. We're not just talking about you missed the dog in the middle of the road. We're talking about the miracle of miracles. A very real tangible experience that these people had that can be recreated in no other way. It must be the power of God. It's the only reasonable explanation. I don't know if you know this, but God has a tendency of doing really big things to catch people's attention. He's done the really big things through Moses at this time. He did the really big things to Elijah and Elisha. He did the really big things through the apostles. Things that man can't explain, you can't explain. Things that we'll shake our head at when we read the stories, but we lose track of just how supernatural they are. Men that were dead came back to life. Men that were blind could see. Men that were deaf could hear. And the only explanation for it was this man named Jesus Christ. You've experienced those through the pages of God's Word. You've read the stories. You've heard the messages. You've seen the songs about them. You reminisce on these things and so much so maybe that we lose track of just how supernatural and just how real these things are. My friends, you have seen the glory of God. And we go, yeah, but. (laughs) Do you know how hard it is? I'm not sure I could have done it back in those days. Just not sure I could have. And I'm not sure that we could have either. What I do know is that we can do it right now. We can stop looking from our perspective. We can stop saying the grass is greener over there. And we can start looking at it from God's perspective and saying how is God going to be glorified in this thing? How is God going to be glorified out of this trial that I am going through right now? How is God, how can I shine the light on God's perspective instead of what I think is best for me? Instead of saying, you know, probably best if we just pack it up and go back to Egypt. We get through, we see those things, and those things are just miraculous. The Red Sea parts, and we've had the Red Sea part in our lives, and, and we get to the next step. We're almost there. We are almost there. We've been wandering through the wilderness. God's gotten us to the edge of this thing. We can see it. It's right there. And we say, it's just too hard. I just can't. I just can't do it. I can't take that call from the doctor that, that I know's coming. I can't go take that test. Men, we don't want to go to the doctor, do we? Many times because we're afraid of what we're going to hear. Probably what our wife's been telling us. It's just too hard. Listen, I don't know what's coming up in your life. I don't proclaim, nor does I know, nor do I know Chris proclaims to be some sort of prophet. I don't know what's coming In your life, what I do know is at some point you're going to get to the edge of the promised land. You're going to be able to see over and there might be a little bit of fear that that means the end of this life. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. I can lie to you today and I can say I can't wait to get there but I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to see my son Marry a good woman and have children. And knock his boy upside the head like I knock him upside the head. Listen, I'm gonna twixt between two as Paul said. I desire to go and be with the Lord and I'm not lying to you about that. But I'm also not lying saying I don't want that to happen right now. And the thought of cancer scares me to death. Seeing what my mother and my father and others that I have loved dearly that are no longer going through that, it scares me to death. It's just too hard. I'm not sure, God, and some believe it's so hard that to lack that experience, they take their own life. You want to know how hard it is? Let's just cut it all off right now. But God's got something in this, too. God's got a perspective on this too. I can't beat those giants. Listen to what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 10. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks and of water, of mountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil olive and honey a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness thou shalt not lack anything in it a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig when thou hast eaten and art full then thou shalt bless the lord thy god for the good land which he hath given thee listen i know a bunch of suburbanites up there none of this means a whole lot to them But I know to y'all, this means something. This is a land that feeds and feeds. This is a land that keeps on giving. It's the type of land where you want to live on and that will bless you throughout the course of your life. And God says, I'm going to give you this land. No, it's not going to be easy, especially if you're looking at it with the perspective that you're looking at it right now. But the ultimate goal to this is that you will feed from this land. It will be a safe haven from you. As a result of that, you will glorify me that gave it to you. So the question is, children of God, question is, disciple of Christ, what do you want more? You want to go back to Egypt because it's easy there? Or do you want to suffer this experience that God has desired so that we might end up in a place where we are blessed and God is glorified? That's the question for the disciple of Christ when it gets hard. Because every one of y'all cannot come back next Sunday. Every one of y'all can decide, you know what? That's a long drive. An old Baptist will drive a long way to church, won't we? That's a long drive. It's just getting too difficult. I think I'd rather just find Egypt. Egypt. You know, I got what I wanted to out of that particular portion of my life. I, you know, I, I spent my time sowing my oats. I spent my time making up for that. And, and now we're, I'm good with God and because it's just too difficult to, to explain to people why we're called primitive. You know, I can do all of those things and I can feel better about it and I can drive down there and you know what? I can still kind of hold on because I'll just tune in online. We can look around at our young folks and say, that is the danger, it's when our young folks decide. they get. Y'all know 80% of children that are raised in church in America are gone by the time they're done with high school. I got some, y'all have got some, it's just too hard, don't you know I got to work, don't you know I got to do school, don't you know I got to do this, I got to do that, it's just too hard, those, are, those giants are too large for me, and I just don't trust that God is going to get us where he, where he says he's going to get us to. Let me tell you, there's a lack of faith in these people, and there's been a lack of faith in us. There's a lack of faith in us when things get hard. And you look at some of the pillars of your, spirit, of your spiritual life, some of those men and those women that have sat on pews and things have been hard and they don't say, hey, let's go back to Egypt or it had been better if we never left. They say, hey, let's bowl on into that promised land. My friends, when it gets hard, that's the perspective. Because it's in that place where God has delivered us to, sometimes, and from, that God is glorified and God is blessed. It's not near as hard looking at it in hindsight as it is looking at it in foresight. It's not near as hard when you say, the reason that we got through that a little easier than I thought we would is because God was going before us. Would you take a look at that? Look how easy that was. They, how easy was it? They marched around cities and they just fell. <laughs> they just did what God asked them to do and God won the victory for them. Remember what happened when they started to try to win the victory on their own? They forgot to, to move the ark in front of them or they just ignored that command from God and they said, well, God, thanks for getting us this far. We'll just kind of take it from here. <laughs> How'd that work out for them? Same way it works out for me. Things get going pretty well, right? Things get going pretty good. How'd that work out for me? And then bad things happen, and it's not God's fault. It wasn't God that left me behind, it was me that left God behind. That's what's made it hard. And we've forgotten where we've come from. Child of God, in your discipleship of Christ, be careful that you don't forget where you've come. Be careful that you don't. That you don't glorify that place where you come from. I had a um, had an opportunity as I do every year to um, to to chaperone some students from our school to a high school retreat just last weekend. And this and this this preacher came in. This guest student minister came in and 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 he he wanted to do he wanted everybody to know who he was and how far y'all remember those days when the farther you had come from your sinfulness to your to your saintlyhood the farther that that was the more people wanted to hear from you this guy wanted to be heard from and he wanted to tell us everything he had done in his past life and just how far he had come to preaching the gospel and he got pretty specific about some stuff and and it sure sounded like he was glorifying that former life. Careful that you don't glorify that former life, but be careful that when you find yourself in a position where that past is reminding you of who you are and what you've come from, that if you turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 21, that when you find yourself in that land, you find yourself in that place that glorifies God, that blesses God. You've made it out of that place. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Remember, they said it'd be better if we just go back. Right? The sea's in front. The army's behind. It'd be better if we just go back. In Numbers, it says they get to, they get to Canaan's land. It'd be, better, it'd be better if we just never had left Egypt at all. If God... Just imagine if God had never redeemed, if God had never delivered us from bondage, would be. Can y'all imagine that statement? Well, that's the statement they're making. Peter's got a warning for you that have been delivered. People have a warning for not just you that have been delivered, but you who know that you have been delivered and at some point appreciated that deliverance. We said it would be better if we just go back or had stayed. Peter is going to tell us something that's better. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It had been better for them to have never have been delivered at all than to be delivered and look back and go... (laughs) Sure, wish I was still there. There's children of God walking this planet. There's children of God walking in this town. There's children of God coming to your house, Grandma and Mom and Daddy, for a Sunday afternoon, and they have, they have rejected what they know to be true. Peter says there's a danger to this for them. it been better. Listen, we say it'd been be, it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all, right? In this case, Peter disagrees with that. Let me tell you, I know some of them. I know some of them. I've visited with some of them. I've prayed with some of them. Some of them that are in the deep wallows of despair because they know the truth and they have gone back to Egypt. And they're trying to find in Egypt what God has promised them in the promised land. They're trying to find fulfillment there. They're trying to fill the holes there in Egypt and in this world and in the dark places than they are in the light places and where God says, the promises that I promise to you, this comfort, this joy, this peace, this fulfillment that you can only get as a child of God out of the things of God, they're not there for you. They're there for them. So be careful. When the thought comes, sometimes it comes this way. I'm just not being fed. you never heard that one before, have you, Brother Chris? Just not being fed. (laughs) Sometimes y'all find those folks and ask them when the last time they picked up a fork was. When's the last time you drove to the restaurant? When's the last time you sat down and and, and started eating stuff other than sugar and, and the food that just wastes your body away? When's the last time you fed yourself? listen, that's that's the start. It's the Sunday that I miss that I say, well, to be okay. I'll just catch it online. It's when you start to question the, the, the antics and the motives of those that are sitting around you that are just trying to do the best that they can too. And we start going, I just don't know if that's the place for me anymore. Because God has a desire for all of His people. And that's to be in the land that he has given them, the land that he has prepared for them. We can call that place heaven all we want to and say, we'll just make do while we, until we get there. But my friends, the make and do, the best of the make and do is right here in the house of the Lord. You can't do it on your own, and you can't do it with your eye on Egypt as your swim back to shore plan. You just can't do it, child of God. And it's coming a time for my daughter. She's going to be in college soon. And some of y'all have, are having that experience. And, and it won't be long before we turn around and our youngest ones are there. And, and, and we worry for them and we pray for them. And we just hope that they'll keep their eyes on the promised land. We keep their eyes on the glory of God and the blessing of God and what he has given us rather than what we, what we have come from. Paul, as we, as we spoke about earlier in Philippians he says these words, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But I live in the flesh, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I what not, for I'm in a strait between two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Y'all know that statement, right? I got a desire. and is there anybody in raise your hand if you think that, that being with Christ is just not better. <laughs> Rather that don't, right? We all agree with Paul here. To be with Christ is far better. Far better than what? Everything that I am, than the best thing I am experiencing here right now. The best sermon, the best meeting, the best song, the best association, the best church, the best family, the best child. To be with Christ is far better. And I want to be there, but God's not ready for that yet. He's not ready for that yet. So in the meantime, I'm going to do what's best for the kingdom's sake. I'm going to serve. God's going to get me there someday eventually, but until he does, there's a better place for you too. His perspective was it's better over there, and he might have been right about that. But he's wrong about the win, and that is right now you've got a responsibility to do, and that's to serve God's people in the kingdom. How are you going to do that? In Paul's case, he's going to preach the gospel. He's going to suffer affliction. He's going to share the story of Jesus Christ. He's going to share his experience of Jesus Christ. And others are going to go, wow, that's incredible. And we're going to have letters written back and forth from these churches. And they're going to affect people for 2,000 years just as they affect us here tonight. In John chapter 13, there was another one that was going to go. John chapter 13, Jesus says, I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place. Right? Peter says, can I go? (laughs) Not right now, Peter. But if I go to prepare a place, I will come for you. And when that time comes, you will experience something like you've never experienced thus far in your life. You can get close, but you're not there. In the meantime, in the meantime, in the meantime, serve. Do. Look at what blesses God. Look at what honors God. Look at what glorifies God instead of of what you want, what you need, and what you desire. Look at it from God's perspective. Look at it from God's perspective. John, in chapter 17, he knows, Jesus knows that he's leaving. And in John chapter 17, he knows it's going to be a problem knows you're going to have a problem. He knows that his disciples are going to have a problem. And he's going to to say this beautiful prayer in John chapter 17, because you're going to get to the hard place. They're going to get to the hard place. They are going to be imprisoned. They are going to be stoned. They're going to be dragged across the concrete of life for their faith. It's going to be hard. They're going to be ridiculed. They're going to be called uneducated. They're going to be called leaving the world behind and closing themselves in the doors of that little old Baptist church. It's going to die someday. It's where they're going to be. It's going to be hard for them. God, John chapter 17, listen to this prayer. And now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them, I' have given them the word and the word in the, the world, have hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Jesus is praying for them while in the hard place, when it seems there is no way out, Lord, Father, God, Creator of the universe, they're going to find themselves where they want to quit. They're going to find themselves in positions where natural man is going to say, that's enough, God, I've had enough, stop pouring it out on me, and they're going to want to go back to Egypt. The world, though, Father, has nothing for them, has nothing for my people. But that's where they want to go. Lord, protect them from that. That's his prayer for his own people. You go on down to verse 20 and 21. Neither I pray thee, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me have I given them, that They may be one even as we are one. He gives them this special idea, this special prayer. These people that he has sent into the world. Neither I pray thee for these alone, but for all of them. I'm not just praying for the ones that are sitting next to me. I'm praying for the one 500 years from now when the Romans are 300 years from now when the Romans are really going to clamp down on these Christians and start throwing them into places like the Colosseum. I'm praying for them a thousand years from now when the dark ages are going to come and no one is going to be able to read your word because it's in a language that they don't read or speak and I'm praying for them. They're going to want to go, it's too hard, I can't do this. I'm praying for them 2,000 years years from now when their world is changing, when their social fabric is changing, when America clearly becomes a post-Christian nation. Lord, protect them in this world. Lord, bless them not to want to look back to Egypt. Keep their eyes focused on what I have done for them, where I have delivered them from. Lord, remind them of that. And Lord, when they are reminded of that, Lord, bless them to bless you. Bless them to glorify your name. Bless them to come together in little places like El Bethel Church and Little Union Church and Bethany Church. And when they sing those sweet little songs, Lord, let them have their eyes on what's to come, not where they could be. Because what's to come... Paul would say, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in me. What's to come overshadows what has been passed in a way that Paul could only reckon, in a way that we can only reckon here today. I love this little church. I love you for Christ's sake. I love your pastor. I've loved this church for a long time and hope that you'll continue to pray and encourage this poor minister as we just try to do the best that we can to serve him because you know I'm going to pray for this little church. May the Lord bless you our prayer.